This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you this morning as we kick off another week. And uh, we're on the Zoom call today. I am very, very, very happy to have with me one of my favorite guests. Uh, Dan Cotter is here. He's an attorney. He's a lawyer. He's a specialist in in the Supreme Court. And we love to have him come on and talk. He wrote an, an incredible book, which I keep telling you, don't be surprised because it's so big. Uh, it's actually a fascinating book to read. I, I loved every minute of it. Um, he wrote uh, Chief Justices. And I have a coffee mug with the front of the, of the book uh, that I, I think of Dan every time I have coffee out of it. Good morning, Dan. How's life in Las Vegas? Good morning, Linda. It's uh, early, and so uh, I haven't been down in the casino or anything. I just got ready. <laughs> so um, Vegas never sleeps, I think. But uh, it's uh, uh, we're here. We're here for a business convention for one of my clients, and uh, uh, always good to be on your show. So thanks for having me. It's better to be there than here. It's been kind of cold and nasty. It, it was ugly up in Chicago yesterday watching the Bears game. It's not pretty. <laughs> Every week's ugly with the Bears. <laughs> well, yeah, but this was really, weather-wise, this was really ugly. Um, okay, so real quick before we get into what we want to talk about, which is the United States Supreme Court, um, tell the folks about your book, because I think it's, like I said, it's such a wonderful look into the history of the court and the individual stories of the people who have served and, and how this whole thing happened, because we, we understand so little of the court. So explain the, the purpose of the book and, and what, your, what your mission was. Sure, the, the, the goal was uh, to do some of the things you just talked about, Linda, was to really try to uh, peel back the curtain and, and reflect upon what the court was and is uh, from its beginning, uh, taking a look at the Supreme Court through the center seat, through the Chief Justice, the 17 men that have served, it's been all men to, to date, uh, but to kind of take a look at, at what the, the times were, uh, some of the decisions that they, each uh, Chief Justice in his court uh, brought to us, and kind of take a continuum of the court and, and, and try to reflect on how uh, the court has had an impact and been involved in our nation's uh, fabric since the beginning. So that said, uh, you know, when, when we were talking earlier before we went on air, because um, I think you and I could start talking and talk for about a week, so <laughs> we'll have to try to hold this, uh, keep this in the in between the guardrails. But um, one of the things that we were talking about is that it's like a secret society. It's It's like we think uh, I think I think we as a public, since we don't really understand the Supreme Court, we don't watch them work. They don't make anything other than ruling on law. Um, we don't really understand who they are or what they do. And I think that we have this image of them as a bunch of people in long, you know, long robes sitting in this world of neutrality, making wise decisions for the future of our country in terms of law and the interpretation of law. Uh, in reality, they're a bunch of people <laughs> right. 
very political people, quite frankly, nobody wants to admit it, but they are. And, and they're making determinations based on a whole lot of things that we don't feel comfortable talking about, but we've got to start facing that fact because the world's about change. I agree with you. And, and, you know, I've always often told people that, and it's in the book as well, uh, that, that of the, of the hundred and something justices that have sat on the Supreme court, uh, not a single one of them, uh, was an obscure person in their party because, you know, there's only nine seats on the court at any given time. You know, it's, it's like a, a very select society, like you said. And so they bring to them all of that background, all of their political views. It is a partisan uh, play. And, and as we were talking about ahead of the show, you know, one of the things that the Republicans have been very good at for 45 or 50 years, uh, this started with Nixon and law and order justices he was going to point to the bench. Uh, was to to find uh, justices that, uh, while not beholden or not guaranteeing what they would decide on certain issues, uh, pretty good bet, right? And and the, the last three times that uh, the Republicans have nominated uh, folks that were not clear uh, outcomes was David Souter, uh, which was George W. Bush. Uh, it was Anthony Kennedy, which was a compromise pick after uh, the Bork. Uh, uh, failed. And it was Sandra Day O'Connor, which was the uh, interest of, of President Reagan in putting the first female on the court and not really knowing to, she was a state uh, senator and, and had done some things in, in Arizona, but was unknown in terms of what she would think on Roe or other things. And and now it's a very careful process and, and there, there would not be a justice that would get on, at least from the right, uh, that would have these unknown views at yeah. least on the, the Keystone issues. Yeah, it has to be a it has to be a package, quite frankly. It's right. ugly to say, but it's true, and we have to face right. that because it's going to have a bearing on everybody. So, all that said, let's have a chat for a little while uh, about where the court is right now and what's before them. Uh, where there's a lot of people running around with their hair on fire, screaming. Uh, there's a lot of concern. There's a lot of fear. But let's talk about what's really at stake here. We're talking about um, looking at Mississippi, correct? Correct. Dobbs. And 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 but but that but it's not just Mississippi because we all know that leads to actually bringing um, a review or 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 relook at Roe versus Wade. So let's talk for a minute about this Mississippi situation what where they're at what they're looking at and what what you see coming out of mississippi sure the uh the the, the original point of the case was whether any uh, uh prohibitions on, on pre-viability were unconstitutional but the question changed as it got to the supreme court and the, and the question is really head on now before the supreme court is is it time to overturn roe v wade and, and casey uh, planned parenthood versus casey and kind of that framework um, the court last week heard oral argument, and it was uh, it was very a very interesting argument. Uh, at least five of the justices on the right kind of signaled where they were going with their questions and with their kind of approach. Um, Sotomayor talked about the fact that over the last almost 50 years now, uh, 15 justices or whatever her numbers were, there's only four that have have been against 
uh, Roe v. Wade and two are on the, on the current court or, or have decided that we're on the current court. That's Thomas and Delito. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, as you said, it's not just about Roe v. Wade, though. It's not just about uh, Planned Parenthood and, and, and that issue, uh, because part of what Roe v. Wade was built on was this idea of personal autonomy and, and being left alone in our private lives. And Roe v. Wade was built upon Griswold, which was a contraceptive case. There's Loving, uh, which is interracial marriage. There's uh, a lot of talk at the court about Obergefell and somehow uh, Kavanaugh and some of the other justices were saying, well, that's settled law and a bright line law. Uh, but be aware, uh, I think the public should be aware that uh, if they overturn Roe v. Wade, then the next thing that's coming uh, is, in fact, attacks on same-sex rights. Uh, the Texas architect of SB8, which was another abortion case that's before the court, uh, has indicated last week that he's going to draft legislation to outlaw homosexuality in the state of Texas. And so uh, that, that's, that's what we're really looking at. And the, and the danger, I, I think, is that in prior times when the courts overturned precedent that uh, they, they talked a lot about Plessy versus Ferguson to Brown. Uh, but in those cases, it was an advancement or granting of rights or a finding of rights and liberties uh, that protected additional groups uh, for them to now overturn Roe and, and Planned Parenthood uh, for many would, would be uh, the, the reality that we're turning back on rights that have been uh, granted or, yeah. or established. And, and, and as I said before, you know, the argument is about every life is precious. Well, okay, um, we don't care about them after they're born, but every life, every first heartbeat is, is of such importance. And yet really what this is about is not that. It's that makes a nice package to tell people. Right. But really in, in reality, what this is about is my rights as a woman. So the Supreme Court is telling me what I can and cannot do with my body. And that's basic rights that nobody wants to seem to talk about. Nobody's, nobody's really talking about that, which I find infuriating because that's really at the heart of what's going to happen here. You're taking away my right as a U.S. citizen to do something. And we're okay with that because, no offense, but white men are in charge. So, you know, we got, we got all kinds of stuff going on here, all kinds of fine pieces at, uh, some are being talked about and some are not, and we got to go to break. But when we come back, we are going to have more conversation with one of my favorite guests, Dan Cotter, in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton on the Zoom call this morning with Dan Cotter. He is an attorney and an author of a Chief Justice's book that I, I rave about all the time because it's so interesting and uh, such a great look at the history of the Supreme Court and its justices. Um, so, so Dan, and Dan's out in Las Vegas for a conference, so we had to get up a whole lot earlier than if he was up in Chicago. Um, and we appreciate that. So, Dan, um, as you said before we went to break, the thing about this whole deal is looking at Mississippi and Texas. Well, first of all, 
I find it fascinating that everybody seems to be okay with this law that they passed in Texas where we're not telling you you can't do it. We're just saying that everybody's brother can sue you if you do. Where did that come? That is the weirdest piece of legis of, of law I've I've ever heard of. So so if I'm driving the cab to get a woman to an abortion and somebody sees me and knows that that's what she I mean the making the case alone is just bizarre then they can sue me because I was part of that process. That is, seems like such a weird law. It is it's a very weird law what what they were attempting to do was to uh, because of Roe and because of the Planned Parenthood and, and, and the progeny of cases that talk about uh, state action, right, that no state action could take place, that this was the kind of uh, end around. Uh, and so it is, it's vigilante justice. It reminds me much of, of you know, communist places where everybody, yeah. like you said, is your big brother. It's 1984. That and everybody's just, watching you. Everybody's watching you and doing anything, right? And so where does that end? You know, what's interesting with that case is, is uh, one of the Friends of the Court briefs, which was an amicus curiae uh, briefs that was filed in, in the case before the Supreme Court on behalf of the uh, providers of, of uh, abortion services in Texas was a guns rights, uh, Texas guns rights uh, uh, group. And, and what, they, what they wrote in their brief was the danger of this kind of law is states like California or Illinois that have a Democratic supermajority that what, what, what would happen if there's a vigilante law that says that if I see somebody with a gun that's uh, 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 dangerous um, and, and I report it and get a bounty and, and that's not illegal either, then again, that's the slippery slope we're on. And so it's very interesting in that case. Uh, but I, I made the prediction, I, I read a column for the Chicago Daily Level and my prediction at the end of my column today, again, not to be bleak, but I, my, my uh, prediction was is that the court will not issue rulings in those cases, which were rocket docketed, put on the agenda on November 1st uh, very fast. Uh, they won't rule in those cases until after they decide Dobbs. And if they overturn Dobbs, then uh, then this whole state delegation issue or, or delegating to private citizens will go away. I hope that's not the case. But again, I, 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 uh, uh, I, I fear for the country if, if we have laws like the Texas law that say everybody can report on everybody about anything, uh, that that's not a society I want to live in. Talk to me about the history of the court in terms of, have we been through this before where we took rights away? I mean, is that a common thing for the court to do? It seems precedent setting in the, in the sense that now we are saying, for 50 years, you have you have had the right of control over your body, Mrs. Bolton. But as of today, you no longer have that. So, so do we have a history of that with the court? Is that what the court normally does? Take away rights, or what's you know, going on? I, I mean, the, the only the only time that comes close, I would say, would be during Reconstruction and after the Fourteenth Amendment, and how uh, the court in in those days originally kind of found that the 14th Amendment really didn't uh, protect anything. But uh, what I've said about the court and its history and in the book is that generally um, it may find or agree with the majority, as we, we talked about earlier, uh, the white society, white male, uh, that 
for Plessy versus Ferguson, for example, or Dred Scott or whatever it was, right? That was kind of where the country was. Uh, but in uh, instances where it corrected itself, uh, such as Brown overturning Plessy, uh, we've advanced rights. I can't think of any situation uh, that the court uh, has said uh, that we're, we're reversing something that either it did or uh, is taking away rights that, uh, that, that have been enjoyed by society. Um, you know, maybe again, the only other thing that comes like, uh, comes to mind in that, that arena uh, would be the Voting Rights Act and kind of how they chipped away at that. Uh, but uh, I, I just can't think of any instance where a right was, was found and then we say, no, we're going to put it back in the in, in the bottle, right? It's it's no longer the uh, right that that uh, a segment of our society enjoys. We're going to go to break and then and then come back because I want to talk about the future of the court. We'll do that in just a moment on Newsmakers fourteen ninety WDAN fourteen ninety WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton on the Zoom call this morning with lawyer, uh, uh, attorney, and uh, author Dan Cotter, who wrote the book uh, Chief Justices, which I highly recommend if you are at all interested in the United States Supreme Court. It is a fascinating book about the history of the court and its chief justices, all men, by the way, um, and gives you an insight into, into the court and how it's, what its history is. And um, so, Dan, you know, again, people running around with their hair on fire. Other people couldn't care less. Um, it's a typical of where we're at now. I Nothing really unites us, I don't think. No. Um, and we're all focused on this Mississippi ruling and what's going to happen and, and, and the immediacy, the belief that because so many states are just sitting there uh, in neutral, ready to go. As soon as as soon as the the uh, the decision is announced, and start you know uh, uh, outlawing uh, abortion everywhere, what really is the impact on the court? Because again, we don't understand it anyway. And now when this happens, and we have to look really and truly at the politicization, polit- the politicalization of the court. How, where do we go? I mean, what happens? What do you? How do you see this thing playing out? Because isn't this going to affect everything now? It's it's going to affect a lot of things. I think again, you know, over the last uh, several years, with with the, the death of Antonin Scalia and then with Bader Ginsburg and uh, the retirement of Anthony Kennedy, you know, the, the again the Republicans have worked very hard and done a masterful job of, yep. of putting in place uh, a six person uh, majority. Uh, you know, Roberts, I think we've talked about before as a chief justice, he, he, he's interested in a legacy of the court, but he's lost that power. And I think if, if anyone listened to the arguments in Dobbs last week, uh, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Breyer were really uh, speaking to the nation about what's happening. Sotomayor asked about if, if, if this is where it's heading, is where we think it's heading. Uh, can the court survive the stench? You know, the, the reality is, and I've had conversations with my wife, you know, the, the court will continue to make decisions. Um, parties will have to be very careful about what they bring to the court. But again, 
there are groups that that are behind a lot of these movements around the country, as you as you mentioned, not just on abortion, but on other things where they kind of create these laws and then they get behind them. You know, the, the challenge of the Affordable Care Act, whatever it is, there, there, there's a, a groups that are well-funded uh, with dark money because of uh, the way that we, we have a, our society now. And they'll continue to come to the court and get get the relief that they want it. And, you know, one of the uh, analogies is that the only thing that's changed in, in the last five years on the court is the umpires on the field, the, these politicians in robes. And that's so the credibility of the court, I think, will will suffer a, a blow. Um, and it's had that before in its history. But it, uh, again, what, what's the solution? The uh, yeah. the the, uh, the court commission that, that that President Biden put in place, bipartisan, uh, has trouble with the court expansion, which which I'm not in favor of, as I put on the show before. Um, there's talks about terms and limits, but that's very complex. It probably requires a constitutional amendment. It requires how do you do deal with the nine existing justices, you know, if you're going to do term limits. So there's really no solution in sight. And, and I think, again, uh, people may be, may be okay with this decision and not paying attention. It doesn't affect them. I've, I've talked to people that say, well, you know, it doesn't affect me a, a role in this thing. That's fine. But but my, my concern is that it, it's a continuum and we'll see in, in future terms, we'll see a, a continued erosion of various uh, revisiting of, of other rights, like I said, Obergefell. I, I yeah. can't believe that that's not going to be before the court again. Uh, one of one of my uh, uh, gay partners, uh, he said the other day, he said, you know, my marriage will end potentially. You know, that, that's where this is headed. And uh, again, that's to me, to me, it's a it's a nation that's we're going backwards and turning back the clock uh, to to the 1930s or 40s. And I, I again, it's not a society that that interests me. Yeah, we're going to have a whole lot of little Joe McCarthy's running around deciding, you know, how to how we can live and how we can't live. And I think that's a pretty sad statement about the United States of America or what's left of it, which is, again, tenuous at best, I think, and not to be negative uh, person, but uh, you got to look at the reality of of what's going on here and where we go when once Roe versus Wade goes, then, as you said, so what's next? So is it Brown versus whomever for the, for the, for education. So are we going to, we're not, we're going to, we're going to not uh, desegregate schools. We're going to go back to segregated schools. Is that what we're going to do? I mean, there's a, there's an appetite for that. So you got to start thinking about how many of these things we're going to go back and go, well, yeah, it's established law, but we can change it. And then you begin looking again at once you, once you take away rights and begin that process it gets it's i, I think it's like shooting somebody once right. you shoot one person what's another one i mean it's yeah. you know so you take away rights you just keep going down the road to decide okay i don't like that right so we're going to take that away and that's a, that, that's a danger as well you know there's talk of this constitutional uh, convention uh, you know of the states that, that's always close and you know everybody's trying to keep it away um you know you could see you could see a a, a committee uh, getting together and saying that, to your point, we no longer need the 13th Amendment because it's not yep. relevant. We no longer need this or that. And yep. again, uh, when we look at states like Tennessee with, with you know, they banned critical right, uh, race theory in, in, in K through 12. But one of the things that I read recently is they're suing to stop a book about Martin Luther King from being uh, taught <laughs> in the schools, right? Of course, yeah. Of course. So again, uh, you know, it's 
we're, we're in we're in some, some challenging times, I think. And we really are. I'm laughing, but that's because I'm really I inside. I'm crying. Hey, <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta get on and get out of here so Derek can get on with the day. Uh, but I thank you so much for getting up so early <laughs> to be with us. Oh, I promise oh, the great. next time we'll try to arrange it so you're back in Chicago and on the same same time zone. But we will talk to you after the first of the year. Thank you Sounds again good. so much. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry whatever. Christmas. Thank you so much for for sharing with us. Really appreciated. Join me tomorrow. Robert House will be with me in the studio. We'll be talking about Pearl Harbor Day and the Vermilion County War Museum. Bob has some interesting pieces of information about families connected to Pearl Harbor. So join us tomorrow for Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolton. Danville's Talk Station, 1490 WDAN Danville, W284DD Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.